It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. AFC East previews. We continue our look division by division here on the GM Shuffle. Also, franchises that have never won a Super Bowl we feel like could be primed to finally end that drought. And honestly, it's middle of July. Training camp hasn't opened, but it's never a bad time to talk about the best quarterbacks in football. We'll get to all that in a second. But first, Mike, major news here. You got tickets to go see the boss, right? Oh, my God, A.D., tonight, 8 o'clock, right there at the James Theater. I don't know. I'm supposedly have really good seats, so we're going to find out what supposedly really good seats are. I was told yesterday that I would be in the front row. And then I got, you know, then then I it got changed. So I mean, hopefully, I'm somewhere near where I could just thank the man. That's all I'm trying to do is just thank the man. But I talked to a couple friends of mine last night that went to the show. The show's incredible. He changed a couple of the songs. So look, you know, I know some people aren't Springsteen fans, but if you grow up in Jersey, it's in your blood. Uh, and especially for me, you know, I think. I think the combination, and I'm sure there's rap music that does that for this generation, but for me, A.D., he was the instrument to which drove me to chase a dream, you know, and that 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 powerful story that he told through his music, you know, about, you know, growing up and about, you know, chasing born to run you know finding something you love and doing it that that resonated and that was the motivating factor for me to really want to want to go to the valley forge military academy wanted to believe that that i could grow up from a beach town and 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 to achieve whatever i wanted to achieve whatever whatever it could be you know and so for me that that's really what this night is about is my way of thanking him for having a wonderful career and 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 having a wonderful life because I listened to his words. Uh, it's awesome. Uh, where does Out on the Street, by the way, rank in your favorite Springsteen songs? I've always wanted to ask you. I'm particularly partial to that track. 
I love that song. I really do. I, I love Out on the Street. You know, I mean, there's so many of those that that you don't realize how much you like them until you hear them play live. I, I've downloaded through the Springsteen archives on springsteen.org, you know, or his site where you can buy concerts. And I typically always buy the ones in, in Italy because he loves playing over there, the San Siro Stadium. And then the tour that he was doing, a bunch of, you know, the album tours, which I loved. He did the, the the Darkness tour, you know, not the tour, but he played the Darkness album in its entirety. And then, he, you know, the, the River, which out on the street, I think is on the river or the tracks, whatever one that one's on. So, you know, I love them all. I mean, you know, to me, it's that it's that just so picturesque the way he describes the visual that you get you know like in sherry darling i mean you know he's your mama's in the back seat you know it's like you could just see some old woman sitting in the back seat annoying the shit out of a driver right <laughs> you know and he's driving her to the welfare line you know it's like it's or johnny 99 you know you could just see a guy who got drunk on tangeray and uh, you know too much i mean his words are so goddamn descriptive and they're so powerful that you know those words were what as he was growing up allowed me to to follow him and and I think you know we all need role models in our lives even though we don't we don't meet them ever you know and they don't have to be the guy living next door to you they could be somebody that you put a picture up on their wall and I tell that to everybody I said look if you want to put Kobe Bryant's picture up on the wall that's wonderful that's great but you got to understand who Kobe Bryant is and if you want to emulate Kobe Bryant you better understand that you but he will do anything in his power to get better he will do everything every single day when he was alive to improve his craft. If that meant not sleeping, if that meant getting up at four, that's what he was going to do. So if you have an idol, it's great to idolize him, but you got to make sure you try to live up to that. And I think for me, since I've become more of a writer than a football guy, you know, the power of Springsteen's ability to write has been a huge, huge uh motivate motivator for me and also an inspiration for me to to try to get better at my craft because if you listen to him talk ad all he talks about is the craft he talks about the work the job and that's really what it is you gotta be able to put in the work um let's go to the task at hand in the nfl news and this is not good news involving richard sherman the free agent cornerback booked in seattle for burglary domestic violence according to public records also was denied bail the 33-year-old completed his third season with the San Francisco 49ers after spending the first seven seasons of his career with the Seattle Seahawks. This is a five-time Pro Bowler, Mike. He's a three-time first-team All-Pro in his first 10 NFL seasons. But now this complicates matters as he's trying to find a job. What was your reaction to the story? You know, I think that that really does. I mean, as we could see in the NFL, this really complicates matters tremendously. And the fact that, you know, we don't know the details of it is hard for us to really make past judgment. But certainly a lot of teams that are on vacation, like the Saints, who have a lot of interest in discussing Richard Sherman as part of their team, because we know the Saints need a corner desperately, uh, you know, are going to have to do a lot of due diligence to get to the facts of the case to see where this goes and see where this plays out. Burglary, domestic violence, the fact that he was denied bail doesn't sound good. So this, for an unemployed player, this isn't good. If he was employed, it wouldn't be good. And like you said, we don't know any of the details yet. You know, hopefully we'll see what happens. But Sherman's the kind of guy already, and his value has gone down. I mean, obviously with the Seahawks, at the apex of his career, he was as good a corner in the game. Now the San Francisco 49ers, value had gone down. So you look at a guy, like I said, early 30s, and you're coming off of this. I, I don't even know how, what, how good his prospects were, Mike, going into this free agent offseason. Well, it certainly wasn't that he was getting any price, uh, uh, the price, you know. There was no way he, he was going to make him 
you know, nobody was willing to pay what he felt. Now, he represents himself, so he wasn't getting the offers that he felt he deserved. That's why he was waiting. I mean, you know, there's always a part where if you're going to wait this long, you're saying to yourself, you're not, somebody's going to eventually meet my price. Last year, we saw it with Javion Clowney, John Robinson, the general manager of the Titans, you know, in August of last year, decided to give Clowney somewhat in the range of what he wanted. He was looking for 18 to 20 million. Eventually, he got 13 million. So that's the only reason why you don't gain employment. You think somebody will be desperate. And to quote Springsteen, someone's desperate who they think they're being courageous when they can't tell the difference. So that's a story involving Richard Sherman, obviously concerning there. And uh, honestly, we'll find out what that means moving forward. Let's get into now quarterbacks, Mike, because this is one of those topics you can never get enough of. And this offseason, ESPN surveyed more than 50 league executives, coaches, scouts, and players to rank some of the best players at certain positions in the league. So here are the top 10. We'll go through it one by one. Patrick Mahomes at number one. Last season, he was second in the NFL in passing yards, 47.50. Fourth in touchdowns with 38, only six picks. And second in QBR, 82.9. Since becoming a full-time starter in 2018, Mahomes leads the NFL in total QBR and passing touchdowns. I feel like this is a no-brainer. Mahomes the best quarterback in football. You? Yeah, I do. And, you know, I mean, obviously, who's going to argue with him? And he's only going to get better, right? I mean, he's only going to improve his craft. And if they can protect him and keep him healthy, you know, the sky's the limit. And, and you know, I just wrote a column today about the Denver Broncos and about how I think really the Denver Broncos might be the most talented team in football absence of the quarterback. I mean, when you break down the Denver roster, there's really, they don't have any holes in it. You know, they're really good at the offensive line. I mean, Garrett Bowles two years ago had 17 penalties, 17 penalties, 13 of them were holding. Last year, Munchak, the offensive line coach, got it down to four. You know, they've got two legitimate running backs. They've got a tight end and Noah fan who's really talented. They've got outside receivers in Cortland Sutton, Judy, and, and KJ Hamler. They got speed. They've got pretty much everything you need. The thing they don't have is the quarterback and then defensively. So if you put Mahomes on their team, they would be the best team in football. But Mahomes makes everybody better. And, you know, he's got the best receiver in Tyreek Hill in football, and he's got the best tight end in Kelsey. And now all the other parts just have to come together. But he's going to be number one on this list for a long time. I don't see anybody uprooting him from that. No, and then we got a couple of veterans at two and three. Aaron Rodgers last year, 4,300 yards, 48 touchdowns, only five picks, and an 84.3 QBR. He led. He was number one in all those last three categories. No quarterback has won more regular season games as a starter the past two years than Rodgers. His touchdown-to-interception ratio, 8.22, the best in the league, which means Tom Brady is number three. Improved his yards per attempt by a full yard. He threw 16 more touchdowns compared to his final year in New England. He also tied for fourth in completions of 40-plus yards last season. So anyone that thinks he couldn't get the ball down the field in a hurry, he did that. Fourth in that category. Overall, 4,600 yards, which was third, and 40 touchdowns, which was second. Rodgers and then Brady. You good with that? Yeah, I am. I mean, I think, look, Rodgers is... Last year, Rodgers was the Aaron Rodgers of 2013, 2014. You know, there was no denying it. Now, he had five years where he wasn't the the best player. He was still good. 
And he's so damn good with the football, he protects it. But I don't think you could argue with that. And the way Brady played last year, I mean, Brady's just so smart. He's accurate. He's got skilled players around him. And when he's protected like he was towards the end of the year, you know, it's hard for him not to be successful. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really good with one, two, three. I don't think you could debate that. You know, I mean, both guys, let's be real honest. I mean, the, you know, how much longer can they do it? Brady, can he continue to do it at age 44? It's just a miracle. I mean, we're not going to see anything like this in our lifetime. He's the George Bland is still playing good. Nice. George Bland, a great reference. A puncher still doing great into his mid-40s. You're right. Then we get into four, five, six. Number four is Russell Wilson. 40 touchdowns last year. That was second. Threw more interceptions last season than 18 and 19 combined. But over the past three seasons, he's fourth in QBR despite taking 146 sacks. And that means at number five, you've got Josh Allen. Big breakthrough season he had last year with the Bills, 4,500 yards, 37 touchdowns, which is fifth, a massive improvement. He ranked third in QBR after just 49 and a half his first two seasons, and he threw seven more touchdowns last year than his first two seasons combined. Russell Wilson, then Josh Allen in the top five. What do you think? Well, I mean, based on last year, I think you have to put Allen at four. I mean, I'm not going to, you're not going to argue this. I mean, it's really clusters of players. Uh, But I I mean, to me, I'm anxious to see because I wasn't sold that Josh Allen could change his accuracy. I've been very clear on the the shuffle that I didn't think he was going to be able to do that. And he just made me look like a fool with that. He proved it. I think Brian Dayball did a great job of their offense. And can he do it again this year? We'll see. You know, I think that's going to be the credit to him. Wilson, you know, this rumor that Wilson's still unhappy. I, I don't buy that. I think Shane Waldron's going to come in and and really help Wilson be become more productive in that area uh, of balancing him in terms of trying to integrate not let Russ cook, but like let Russ have a little bit more freedom in the sense that he's got play action and the burden isn't always on him to win the game. And I think that they could divide that offense, which certainly would fit the Rams. And look, I, I think the, the offensive coordinator for Seattle, everybody thinks Pete wants to run the ball three, two plays and then, punt and then pass. I, I think that's wrong. I think Pete wants to control the pace of the game with the offense. And I think that's going to be the key for Waldron. Here's where it gets interesting. Like you said, it, it's, it's clusters. So Matt Stafford could easily be a top five quarterback with that kind of talent around him this season. You know, During the Calvin Johnson era, he was fifth in NFL yards per game after him, he dropped to eighth. 26 touchdowns, 10 picks, only a 68.4 QBR. But there's no doubt Matthew Stafford's got another 4,000-yard season in him. And then you get Dak Prescott at number seven. So that is where, to me, it gets interesting, Mike. Six, seven, Stafford and Dak Prescott. Dak last year, you know, season-ending injury, only threw nine touchdowns, four picks. But when healthy last season, the Cowboys were first in the NFL in passing yards per game. Without him, they dropped to 28th. Stafford and Prescott, six and seven, both intriguing, both guys with something to prove. Yeah, no doubt. I think Dak's a little too high on this list to me, to be honest with you. I mean, you know, Justin Herbert's at nine, and I think Justin Herbert's would be higher than Dak. And I think Lamar Jackson's higher than Dak in terms of what he brings to the team and all the things that that he goes that's built around him. So, uh, you know, Stafford has always had great yards. I mean, there's no denying Stafford's yards. He's tough as shit. You know, he, he'll play with pain. He'll do what it takes. I think Stafford's now in a position where he's got to prove to people he's a winner. You know, I mean, I think that's the only thing holding Stafford back. Can he win the big game? Can he make plays in the clutch? That's going to be the determining factor. He's a top five talent. There's no doubt. Is he a top five winner? I think that's what remains to be seen. Lamar Jackson at number eight. And listen, if you asked some people a year ago, they would have said he was like number two or number three. It's a Kim and Mahomes. 
Lamar last season in passing, 2,800 yards, 26 touchdowns, nine picks, rushing 1,000 yards and seven touchdowns. And since entering the NFL in 2018, Jackson has thrown for fewer than 200 yards in 22 of 37 starts. That's most in the NFL. So if you're not a fan of Lamar Jackson, Mike, you say, well, I wish he threw the ball more. If you do love him, you go look at the ability he has, not only passing, but throwing. That's a guy who brings a lot of value to your team. I think if he could just get more, I think it's really on Greg Roman. I mean, I think the pressure is so on Greg Roman this year. He's If you look at his numbers as a passing coach in the National Football League, I think his best season, he was like 13th. He's always usually been in the bottom third of the NFL in terms of devising a passing game that's conducive to what he can do running the football. And I think he holds Lamar Jackson back. I think Lamar Jackson would be in the top five if he would have an offense more like Baker Mayfield's that he could utilize his skill set, throw the ball to wide open receivers, and then run it. So, you know, I, I, I think to me, you know, would I take Lamar over Dak? Yeah, I would. I mean, there's no doubt. I mean, look, Lamar, Lamar's won the MVP of the league. You know, Josh Allen had one good season, you know? And so I, how is Lamar not in the top five? Well, because I think the, the Ravens haven't given him the best opportunity. As for Herbert, you know, AD, I, I just think Herbert should be a, I mean, Herbert, you know, if you look, Brady's older, so Herbert, what he did last year, I don't know if we're going to see that again. I mean, the way he was able to to play without OTAs, without mini camps, and do all the things he was able to do, it's just flat out remarkable. I, I, I'm not. I mean, Dak Prescott. If you were drafting this list, you're taking Herbert over most of these guys on this list, other than probably Mahomes. Yeah, if it down comes down to hey, who do you want to be your quarterback for the foreseeable future? Right, Herbert's upside is enormous. Forty three hundred yards, thirty one touchdowns, ten picks. He broke several rookie passing records, including touchdowns and completions. And in the six wins. His numbers were just stunning. He averaged 304 yards per game, 14 touchdowns to just one pick. So there's a reason why upside and you know ability to perform, Herbert's a guy who a lot of people love. Another guy people love is Kyler Murray. He comes in at number 10, 4,000 yards, 26 touchdowns, 12 picks. He tied for the NFL lead with 14 completions of 40 or more yards, and he tied for second in rushing among quarterbacks behind Lamar Jackson. So maybe he's Lamar Light. Obviously, has Cliff Kingsbury there, an offensive head coach, but Kyler Murray coming in at number 10. That's interesting, Mike, because these are the guys that don't make the cut. Kyler Murray gets in ahead of Matt Ryan, Derek Carr, Ben Roethlisberger, Ryan Tannehill, Joe Burrow, Kirk Cousins, Baker Mayfield, and Carson Wentz. I mean, based on last year, you can't put, you can't take Kyler Murray over Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield, the perfect offense for him. Derek Carr, the same thing. I mean, Kyler Murray last year, I mean, we have such short memories. I mean, he's three of six in the last nine games of the season. He throws for under seven yards per attempt. He's got 13 touchdown passes, five interceptions. Here's who he beats, AD. He beats Buffalo on a Hail Mary. He beats the New York football giants and he beats the Philadelphia Eagles. Those are the two teams he beat. He loses to San Francisco. He averages four, nine, four per yards per attempt. I mean, he loses to Seattle. He averages 6.4. He, he loses to New England. He averages five yards a, a pass. I mean, like at some point that I know the roadrunner plays are great. Beep, beep, run around, make a play. The arm's <laughs> incredible. I get all that, right? I get all that. But you can't tell me that last year that 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 Kyler Murray was better than Baker Mayfield. You can't tell me that last year Derek Carr was was not better than Kyler Murray. You just can't. I mean, Matt Ryan, okay, Matt Ryan's still a better pure passer from the pocket. He had a lot of bonehead plays towards the end, especially in the red zone. I think, you know, if this is a future list, maybe, you know, we'll see where Wentz goes. Kirk Cousins last year, Kyler Murray, Kirk Cousins was better than Murray. 
you know, he doesn't make the beep beep plays, but in terms of just what he does, so you know, I, I I don't I think he gets on that list because of the the highlight plays, not when you watch him three and six the last nine games, you know, and they got a chance. They're in the playoff run, and the only teams he beats are from the East. You know, he loses to the Rams. He loses to Seattle. The teams he's got to play, San Francisco, he loses to the Rams twice. Yeah, the guy I like is Ryan Tannehill. I just say, look at that offense, what he's done post-Miami the last couple of seasons. To me, he's a top 10 caliber quarterback, and I wouldn't sleep on Carson Wentz. I know he had a miserable season, but I think you and I both agree. With Frank Reich, he's never going to have a better opportunity to resuscitate his career. Does that mean he's top 10? I don't know, but maybe he's in the top half of quarterbacks. He certainly can't be worse than he was in Philadelphia. He'll have more of a support structure now in Indianapolis. Yeah, there's no doubt. I'm, I'm really 1,000% a Carson Wentz fan. I think he's going to get better. But I, I think, you know, based on what he did last year, we can't have that conversation in the top 10. If we talked about the, super, the, the year they went to the Super Bowl, he's in the top five. Which one we're going to get, I think that's going to be the question. And Burrow, I mean, in all honesty, it's not fair for Burrow. You know, he's playing behind a bad, a shitty offensive line, a scheme that I'm not sure is good enough. You know, he's going to have to have a really good season. You know, let's face it, the Bengals are going to have to prove that they can they can actually, Zach Taylor can move the football because they can they protect all those things. But, you know, and Roethlisberger, I mean, the last, you talk about the last half of the season. I mean, after they lost their first game, Big Ben, he knows he's got a lot to prove. He's already talking about he's lost weight. He's on a stricter diet than Tom Brady. God bless him. <laughs> I was going to say, Tom doesn't need to have car carbs after like noon. That means Ben's probably cut them out entirely. Uh, clearly, no surprise, he does not make the top 10 after disappointing second half for the Steelers. Coming up next, we know nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills, but can that wagon make it to the Super Bowl? Our full AFC East preview next. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, these second-round playoffs have been unreal, and we have the conference finals now on the horizon. Make sure you get all those futures bets in before the value disappears. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets in. Instantly download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Buffalo Bills last season made giant strides. 13-3, and they made the AFC Championship game over under win total at 11. So they acquired wide receiver Emmanuel Sanders. They drafted Greg Russo, the defensive end of Miami. Josh Allen became a top five quarterback in the league. But now the question is, Mike, do they get to the next step? They've spent top picks in defensive ends the past two years. Maybe that'll help their pass rushing. What do you make the Bills over under win total of 11? That feels about right to me. I might take the over and go 12 and 5. 
You know, I might I might lean under. I don't know. I mean, I think to me it's going to be a little harder. The schedule's going to be tougher. And they've got to prove, look, they have to prove, A.D., that they can rush the passer. I mean, you know, last year they they really struggled. They only had 38 sacks. They, You know, A.J. Klein had five sacks. He was their leading sacker along with Mario Addison. Jerry Hughes had four and a half. But more than sacks, I, I think, you know, they've got to be able to find a way to hit the quarterback more often. And I think that's why you saw them draft those two young defensive ends. And and I think also when you break it down, you, you know that the quarterback's got to continue playing to the level that he played last year. You know, I mean, he he had a hundred over a hundred rushing attempts last year. He averaged four yards. He scored eight touchdowns rushing. He was incredible with the ball. He did everything that everybody thought he could do coming out of college. That thought he would improve his accuracy, and he did. So, but I think with the schedule getting a little bit tougher. You know, I think that when you look at this team, are they going to be good enough on defense to to really rush the passer and handle it? We shall see. And with a year for people to study them, I, I lean under there. Dolphins at 10 and 6. They finished second. Acquisitions of Will Fuller and Bernardrick McKinney. First round pick Jalen Waddle, a wide receiver out of Alabama, and Jalen Phelps, defensive end of Miami. Over under win total of nine. So you hope Waddle and Fuller can help Tua in year two. Miles Gaskin. Hopefully he can blow a gasket, carry the load in the backfield, and their defense hopefully will be one of the best in the division. Over under win total of nine, Mike, I'm just not believing in Tua. So I might, I'm going to go under. I go eight and nine, sub 500 team for the fish. I'm going under two, AD, and I think for all the right reasons. I mean, I think when you when you break it down, he's just, can he do it? Now, I mean, it's all on his shoulders, right? It's all on his shoulders. Can he actually come in here and make the throws that we need to see him make? Now, he said last year he didn't really understand the offense. He didn't know what was going on, you know, yada, yada, yada. But, you know, they played him for whatever reason. They played him. And so when you break it down, I mean, you know, the guy averaged 6.26 yards per attempt. You know, he wouldn't throw. He only had six throws. He only had six completions, A.D. Six completions out of 290 attempts of over 25 yards. Six, and three of those six came in the last game against Buffalo when they got beat 56 to 26. Think about that. Now, you could say, well, you're picking on him, Lombardi. Well, I mean, Justin Herbert was told he was going to start 20 minutes before the Chiefs game and went out there and just started throwing the ball up and down the field. This guy, to me, is is got to prove he can throw it from the pocket with elite skills, drive the ball down the field. I don't know if he could do it. I didn't see it last year. I didn't see it in college. I saw him throwing to wide-ass open receivers. We'll see if he's got enough arm and enough athleticism, but I'm going under on Miami AD all the way. All right, let me go to the Patriots at 7-9. and nine. They finished third. Key acquisitions, Nelson Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne. So the Bourne identity will try to help this offense a little bit. They also draft Mac Jones, the quarterback out of Alabama, over under win total at nine. Big question is who's going to start the season at quarterback? Is it Cam Newton? Is he going to finish the season? You got Matt Patricia back in the number two pencil, uh, assistant to the head coach. And they've obviously made those improvements to wide receiver. I'll take the over, Mike. I think they're a 10-7 and team. They spent a lot of money. This was very atypical for the Patriots. You know, to overspend. Like I said, the fat guy at the grocery store, I'll take this, I'll take this. But Belichick knows they needed to improve, so they've spent, and hopefully those moves work out. I'll call them over 500. You? Me too. And I think the fact that they're, you know, they 
They've got to get better play from the quarterback. So we know they're going to. they got better skill players now than they did. Their offensive line is still really good. I mean, look, this team last year averaged four, six a carry. They ran the ball. They scored 20 touchdowns rushing. Cam had 12 of them. They can run the ball. I mean, Sonny Michelle, on a, you know, he averaged five, six, eight a carry. I mean, Damian Harris will be the feature back. A great fantasy pickup if anybody wants that advice. I think he averaged over five yards a carry. As he stays healthy. I think the sky's the limit for him. And and so I do. I think they're a 10 and 7 team, maybe 11 and 6. I think they'll be much better on defense in terms of setting the edge and being able to multiply. They've got to get Gilmore in camp. I think that's going to be critical for them. And then they've got to be able to throw the football. I mean, Cam can't average, you know, throwing the ball for eight touchdowns and 10 interceptions. He's got to be able to work the ball down the field and see if he can do that. And I think that's going to be the key test. You know, I think that's going to be the critical component for them. They've got to be able to make explosive plays in the passing game. Cam only made 20 plays over 25 yards last year. Obviously, that quarterback has to improve, and Cam knows that as well as anyone. And that brings us to the Jets. They were 2-14. and 14. Now they've got Zach Wilson. Everyone's fired up about that. Over-under win toll of 6.5. New coach and Robert Sala, who's going to try to turn this franchise around, and everyone will focus on me on Zach Wilson. Six and a half. I might take the under here, Mike, at six and 11. Listen, there are two win team. I, I say they improved by four wins, which to me is significant. I'll go under on six and a half. I'm definitely going under. They're going to have to prove to me they've got enough talent on defense to stop anybody, you know, and with a rookie quarterback and a defense that really can't slow the game down. I smell that he's going to be throwing the ball. He's going to be behind in a lot of games. Do I think they've improved their roster? Yeah, there's no doubt. I think they've improved their roster. Are they good enough in the offensive line? Probably another year away. But I think this is a 5-12 and 12 team, if you ask me. I think if they can get five wins out of them, I don't know if they can cover anybody effectively. And I definitely think that their defensive front's going to have some issues. I know they signed Carl Lawson. I know they've got him in there. But he's only going to be effective if they can get from in front. Can they play with the lead? That's going to be key, and I'm not sure they can do that. That's the story when it comes to AFC East. Coming up next, 12 teams in the NFL have never hoisted the Lombardi Trophy. For some of you, hope may be around the corner. Some others may be waiting a lot longer. We'll discuss next. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So the franchises that have never won a Super Bowl, there's the Dirty Dozen, one might say. Back in 2017, the Eagles won their first ever. But now there's a slew of teams who are still waiting for their moment. The Arizona Cardinals, the Atlanta Falcons, the Buffalo Bills, Carolina Panthers, Cincinnati Bengals, Cleveland Browns, Detroit Lions, Houston Texans, Jacksonville Jaguars, Los Angeles Chargers, Minnesota Vikings, and the Tennessee Titans. Of those teams, Mike, obviously next year would be a hell of a move, but what's your best positioned to win a Super Bowl in the next three years? Well, you got to believe with Herbert, the Chargers, they should be able to, to at least compete for the Super Bowl. But, you, you know, they got to get through Mahomes. I think Cleveland has as good a chance as anybody, the way they're, they're, they're set up, the defensively, offensively, uh, you know, and they don't have to, and they, but they have to compete with Mahomes. My guess would be it would be an NFC team like Minnesota. 
if they get everything in balance and their defense improves and they can get through the NFC because there isn't Patrick Mahomes over there. Yes, there's Aaron Rodgers, but how long is he going to keep doing it? We shall see. So, you know, if I had to put a pecking order, I would go Chargers, Browns, Vikings. Chargers, Browns, Vikings. That's interesting because when you look at those teams, like you said, you have to look at the opposition. It's not just what you have, it's what you're up against. So I can see some say, well, the Cardinals, because their offense is so exciting, Kyler Murray, but you've got to get out of that gauntlet of a division. Tennessee Titans, I think, are intriguing because their offense is so good, but again, their defense is lackluster. So a lot of these teams, Mike, they feel like they've got one half of the pie figured out. The other half is still lingering. Yeah, and, and you know, like, look, I think Carolina's going to be a greatly improved. You know, I think an NFC team has got a better chance because of the fact that the AFC has got Herbert, they've got Allen, they've got Mahomes, right? They've got all these, they got Mayfield playing quarterback. I mean, there's a lot of good quarterbacks in the AFC that you have to get through to get to a Super Bowl. You know, it's, it's hard to measure your career on winning Super Bowls. It's hard to measure your career on getting to a Super Bowl. To me, you measure your career on how many conference championships you get to, and then you got to hopefully take it, because to get to the Super Bowl, you got to get to the Final Four. And that's what you have to kind of work your way to. Uh, we look at the teams now, maybe going in the other direction. Who are teams that right now you say to yourself, you know what? I don't really see it. I mean, the Bills right now, like you said, they're knocking on the door. But the Lions, I mean, God, three years? I don't. I, it might be 30 years before they win a Super Bowl. Look, Buffalo has this, you know, the, the only reason I didn't give Buffalo on one of the teams is because of Mahomes and, you know, as good as they are, you know, that they probably should be one of the few, one of the teams, but can they beat Mahomes? I, I think probably they, they probably would be the fourth team. They should be the first team because they, at least they have the better quarterback and they were competing with them this year. They're closer than they've been, but you know, I mean, it's, it's so hard to get there. I don't think people understand that. I, I have to believe, I have to see Allen do it another year. I think he will. I think he did it so well over 16 games. But I'm just not sold that Buffalo is going to be good enough on defense, especially rushing the passer. All right, one more, and then we'll get to the mailbag. This is from uh, Cassius Marsh, the Steelers linebacker, who spent time with seven different NFL teams. His time in New England was his least favorite. He was on the team from September to November of 2017. He went on Tom Segura's podcast, outspoken about playing for the Patriots. The Patriot way is extremely impressive, but they also treat players like crap. You know, the lunch period, you get there, you have to make time to eat in between meetings. And they're like five to 10 minute periods where I would literally go scoop food, put it in a cup and crush it real quick before I got to the next meeting. There's no fun. This isn't the first time he's criticized the Patriots. Back in 2018, they don't have fun there. There's nothing happy about it. I didn't enjoy any of my time there. It made me, for the first time in my life, think about not playing football because I hated it that much. What do you make of that kind of criticism? Well, I think they hated him, too. I mean, I think he didn't understand. Like, he's, he's a guy who's been on about six teams. You know, he runs past the quarterback. You know, he, he does it. He's not compliant to following the orders that people want. You know, teams that need pass rushers have cut him. Seattle be a number one, you know? And so look, that nobody said the system's for everybody. Do they treat players like crap? I think Rob Ninkovich would disagree with that. I think Shaq Mason would disagree with that. I think the players there would disagree with that. I think the players that have won Super Bowls would disagree with it. But I think a random comment from a guy who had a cup of coffee, who's been on seven teams, to believe that it's, that it's worth any, any, any understanding is ridiculous. He's just, he's perfect. He's a perfect example of, when a player doesn't buy into the culture. So he's going to bitch. Since he's left there, how many teams has he been with? You know, like he's on a bunch of teams. Will he make the Steelers team? Probably not this year. You know, will he complain about them? Probably will. 
how hard is it to get that balance though between having fun and winning in an organization? Like how important is that to have, but you know, it's like in a job, right? You have to have uh, employee satisfaction. How important is that? Do you think in football? Uh, I think to me, it, it, it's a hard balance. And Belichick tells the team all the time, look, it's not going to be easy, but winning a Super Bowl isn't easy. Like, it's really not. Like, we're just not going to play kumbaya and sing our way into the Super Bowl. We've got to work at it. Like, it's, and it's not for everybody. Look, becoming a Navy SEAL is not for everybody either, AD. You know, it's just not. And so, but the, what works for them, what they have confidence in is their system. It's not universal. It's just not one size fits all. And so, you know, you got to find players who are devoted to what they want to do and get better at their craft. And when they do that, they don't seem to have a problem with it. You know, they go in there, they work hard. They understand there's a lot asked. And Belichick tells them all the time, look, it's, this is not going to be, you know, we're not going to let you uh, loaf around here. You know, you're not going to have it on your own terms. You know, we're going to do it the way he wants to do it. You know, I think it's just one size fits all. That's why it's so important for them to find players that fit what they do. And that's why the focus is so important. As long as you're here to win, you should get along fine. That's why people would say, hey, you know what's fun? Winning. As always, send your mailbag questions to the gmshuffle at gmail.com or feel free to send us a message on Instagram at the GM Shuffle. Of course, you can follow Mike there, M. Lombardi NFL, and myself, Adnan S. Ferk. This is Will in Cedar Rapids. Hey, Mike, I saw your tweet about the death of Alex Gibbs. Wondering if you could explain his impact in the game. So often, I feel like position coaches go unnoticed by general fans despite the impact they have on organizations and the game in general? Well, I, th- I love the question, and thank you. I appreciate it, Will. I mean, Alex was a, a revolutionary coach. Uh, this book I'm writing about, uh, on the book uh, about the Hall of Fame and where football is, I talk about Clark Shaughnessy's impact on the foot passing game in the 40s, taking the, the, the T formation and making it more of a, putting the quarterback in play. And Alec had similar effect. So what he devised was a system of the running game, of being able to run the outside zone and teach it with rhythm to the back. So it wasn't just, hey, we're going to run the outside zone. Okay. It was really meticulously drawn up. Every step mattered. First step goes here. Second step of the lineman goes here. Our hand placement, which really people didn't really notice, but they did a great job of putting their hands on the defensive lineman's shoulder pads. They're put their, if they were on the right side of the line, they got that right hand out there first. Then they got the left hand out there and they steered the defensive lineman as opposed to going in there and trying to pivot him and, and explode a hip into him. They steered him. They didn't try to power him off the ball. So people called it finesse, but it really wasn't finesse. It was tough. And so he devised this with, with where he incorporated scheme into fundamentals that he taught which was so important. And the back would read the first cut. The first, the back would take a step. And as soon as he saw a cut, he cut. And it all tied together. And he changed the game. And then they worked that offense around to build a passing game off that play action, which is what we know now as the Kyle Shanahan passing game. But that outside zone, the way he developed it, the way he fundamentally taught it, this is the key part. You can steal plays, but if you don't understand the fundamentals of how the footwork and the hand placement go together, you know, Al Davis used to complain all the time about the Broncos offensive lineman's hand placement because it was outside, it was on the shoulder pads, you know, and it wasn't in that tight area where they would call, you know, where you where they wouldn't call holding. It kind of their hands got spread and you could grab and hold. They didn't get called for many holding calls. So Gibbs changed the game of football. And I think any person who changes the game like Gibbs did deserves Hall of Fame. It's great to have you point out so uh, eloquently just what he was able to do. And like you said, position coaches generally go unnoticed, but the uh, teaching mechanism there, the technique, the knowledge, the wherewithal, 
Rest in peace, the family of Alex Gibbs. As we close up shop here on the Pop Culture Minute, obviously Mike is going to see Bruce. Black Widow back in theaters. Uh, I took my kids, they enjoyed it. I myself have superhero fatigue at this point, but 85% of movie theaters are now open, which is great news if you love the movies. Space Jam 2 coming out soon. Um, as far as uh, on the small screen, Emmy nominations came out yesterday, Mike. The Crown got 24 nominations. The Handmaid's Tale did well. And The Underground Railroad also nominated for Best Limited Series. So um, uh, The Queen's Gamma obviously did well as well. So good to see a lot of people on those shows being recognized by the Emmys. No doubt. I mean, I love the Underground Railroad. It was intense, as I told you before. The uh, the Queen's Gamut, I thought was great. Uh, you know, all those things I thought were great. It's going to be interesting to see how they divide. The Crown, to me, is just so well done. And, and the scenery and the way they're, you know, the I, I would say the set design, I'm not talking in your language, the set design, the, the optics of the whole thing was just really unbelievable. Uh, I know you're enjoying the beach right now, so enjoy the beach. And tonight, more importantly, enjoy Bruce. We want a full recap next time the GM Shuffle. Let us know the set list, and hopefully you'll be dancing out in the street. Thanks, J.D. 